Welcome back. You're listening to the Child Safeguarding Podcast by Pointing Consulting and Advisory. Here's your host, Brad Pointing. Yay, go on. Yay. Welcome back to another episode of the Child Safeguarding Podcast. I am your host, Brad Pointing, and my guest today is Rosemary Derwin. Rosemary is the Chief Commissioner of Girl Guides Australia. Thank you for being here, Rosemary. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Brad. Thanks very much for having me. It's always great to share uh, what we've been doing with Child Safe uh, with a broader audience. So thanks for having me on. Not a problem. And that's definitely what we're going to get into today. But um, yeah, I think our conversation is, is going to focus very much on Girl Guides. But I'd like to start with you a little bit. So in my research for today, I noticed that you've been connected with Girl Guides on and off quite a bit through your career. Um, but can you tell us uh, about your background and your current role as Chief Commissioner of Girl Guides Australia? You're right, Brad. I've been a Girl Guide for many years, um, probably more years than I'd like to um, count. Uh, but it's an absolutely uh, privilege for me. At this point in time, I am the Chief Commissioner for Girl Guides Australia. So I'm a volunteer uh, and I lead uh, the organisation in Australia. Excellent. Um, so I guess I'll be honest and say that I, I don't know how Girl Guides is sort of set up here in Australia. Is it one single organisation? Is it a federation? Is it connected beyond the name with Girl Guides overseas? Uh, we are a federation. So we have all the joys that federated organisations have. Girl Guides Australia is the peak organisation uh, and our member members are our state organisations and it's the state organisations that are responsible for uh, providing opportunities for girls all around Australia to have great girl guiding experiences. Uh, We work collectively though as a group of organisations and we collectively refer to girl guiding in Australia uh, but actually girl guiding in Australia is seven separate legal entities so at times it can be a challenge. And we are part of a global organisation. So the World Association of Girl Guides and Girl Scouts uh, operates in 152 countries across across the world. And Australia is one of those countries. So yes, we are global and we are federated. Wow, I had no idea that um, Girl Guides uh, was in over 150 countries. That's huge. (laughs) Absolutely. Wow. Okay. Um, And then maybe for for people that that um, aren't quite aware, uh, what actually goes, what is a federated organisation? What what sort of, what does that Uh, mean? So we have um, our national body and we have separate state entities uh, that are standalone entities and decision-making bodies in their own right. Uh, But if, um, to be Girl Guides though, they need to work and be a member of Girl Guides Australia. Awesome. So now the the reason that I invited you on today was because Girl Guides Australia has recently announced and launched your child safe, child friendly framework. So can you give us a brief overview of what the framework is and what the aim of the framework is, please? So, Brad, the aim of the Girl Guides Australia Child Safe, Child Friendly Framework is pretty simple and it's about keeping girls safe. Uh, That's the underlying uh, foundation of the Child Safe, Child Friendly Framework. Uh, and I have to add that the framework itself provides clear guidance uh, for everyone involved in girl guiding to understand their role in helping to keep children and young people safe 
and to build on the child safe child friendly community that is so central to girl guiding in Australia. And I guess going back to the start, um, what was the, the motivator that sparked Girl Guides to undertake this project? We've always had a child safe lens within Girl Guides with all that we do. And as with these things, it's important that you review your processes and consider uh, what you do and whether there needs to be some changes. And so that was the catalyst for us undertaking a full review of what we do both at Girl Guides Australia and within our state organisations to consider whether there's a way that we could improve on what we were doing. And was this something that you were able to develop on your own or did you seek outside assistance to develop the work? Uh, no, this this was a specialised area and so we didn't consider we had the resources and the expertise within the organisation to do this piece of work on our own. Uh, so we initially uh, worked with Alastair Roy and Sam Delamata, who were absolutely fabulous to work with. They came in and did a desktop audit for us on all our state organisations and our national organisation so we could assess where we were um, and then consider some next steps. And then Alastair and Sam worked with us on building the framework uh, principles. Excellent. Interesting. Sam, a previous podcast guest and Alastair, uh, a future podcast guest. Oh, fabulous. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Great, great professionals and uh, really highly respect their expertise. Excellent. That's good feedback for both of them. I'm sure they'll be pleased to hear that. Um, so then I guess prior to that, uh, did each of the state and territory uh, entities, did they have their own approach to safeguarding or were they already using a, um, an overarching one from yourself at Girl Guides Australia? Uh, I th we all had our own separate child protection type policies, uh, but they weren't uh, consistent. And I think it's important to note, though, that We've always had a child safe lens on everything that we've done. And when we started talking to Sam and Alastair, they said, have you got this? Have you got that? And we go, oh, yes, we do that. We have supervision ratios. Yes, we have. We do risk management assessment uh, on all our activities. We require leaders to do training. We require this and we require that. And actually, there was so much that we were all already doing that had a child safe focus that we stepped back and went actually we are doing so much but it's not uh, under the one umbrella and so that really is where we began the journey of building our child safe child friendly framework we knew that we were doing things but we needed to assess what else needed to be done and pull everything together under one umbrella Awesome. That, that's something that I find very often talking with clients is that, um, yeah, I'm maybe, and, and I'm not meant to sort of um, guess about what you had on paper beforehand, but um, talking generally about some clients that, yeah, they don't have anything sort of formalized or written down or, or what they do have formally written down is um, sort of light on detail or doesn't sort of give specific guidance. So then when you ask the question of, uh, you know, are, yeah, are you, are you doing this? Are you providing training? How are you doing your, your background screening and those sorts of things? individually people have really good process in place but there's no sort of yeah unified um 
ability to, to look at all of that and how that all comes together, uh, or there's no uh, formalized way of actually doing that work. So sometimes the project is more about capturing uh, in a very clear way the work we're already doing, and then I guess refocus that to saying, you know, a big reason why we're doing this is because it helps to keep children safe. Um, so it's it's not enough to just allow someone to do something which is is pretty good practice, but not actually documented that they're doing it. Uh, everyone in the organisation needs to know about this and needs to be able to do that. So it sounds like... Absolutely, Brad. And that was really important for us. So we reviewed all our processes and then we looked at the national principles for child safe organisations to determine where our gaps were and what we should introduce to ensure that we could confidently say we adhere to the national principles for child safe organisations. Great. And how long did it take to develop that framework? Oh, look, I, I think that, if I'm real, it was probably <laughs> a few years um, because we needed to have some very broad consultation um, with all of our state girl guide organisations and we worked closely with them and we considered the different legislative requirements in each of our states, uh, which is a challenge, a, a separate challenge in itself. Uh, but most of all, um, it was important that we provide an environment where girls were safe um, and protected and respected. And that was the underlying foundation. So we, we went hunting into all the different state legislation to consider what we needed to do nationally. And the other piece that uh, we did and that I think is um, a great piece of work out of the framework is that it's consistent across the country. Uh, so, so the framework has the same requirements for leaders in all states, no matter what their legislative requirements are, because we've taken everything into consideration. Yeah, so you mentioned there that if you're being honest, probably a couple of years uh, has gone into the development of the framework. Uh, and again, I think that's something that people often don't realise that um, the... Um, Potentially, you're not going to have sort of external consultants in that that whole time. Mm -hmm. But if you're developing um, this framework, which is largely going to shape the the culture of the organisation moving forward, it's a it's a big progress. Uh, it's a it's a big project, and it takes a lot of time to actually do. Um, so yeah, I definitely do encourage organisations to be thinking in terms of years when it comes to to doing this sort of work, and not to assume they're just going to be able to to punch out a policy change in sort of six months and get it going from there. That it is a much bigger piece of work that they're actually undertaking if they're serious about um, becoming a child safe organisation. Are really, as you've just said, embedding those uh, ten national principles across the organisation. Um, but I think probably that, that leads into, um, I guess, sort of the, the next question I was going to ask there around. Um, I've seen uh, some of the detail of your child safe and child friendly framework, um, but it might be interesting for people listening if you're able to explain sort of how you're visually representing that uh, to people to get some idea around sort of um, how this actually follows through into the work that's being done and how you're presenting that so people can engage with um, those uh, or with the framework, basically. Uh, okay, Brad, sure. We've developed something that we're calling our Child Safe, Child Friendly Wheel um, and it graphically represents um, how the Child Safe, Child Friendly Framework fits in everything that we do. And on the outside of the wheel is... Um, the commitment of Girl Guides Australia uh, 
to being a child safe child friendly community. It, we've Girl Guides has introduced our child safe child friendly community as a strategic foundation. So that's really important for us. Um, we say that in all our decision making, the girl is at the centre of decisions. Uh, but it's also important to think child safe, child friendly in everything we do. And so that encompasses um, the outside of the circle because mm -hmm. that's what we uh, think is how it binds us all together. And then within uh, the circle, we've got, we've, we've uh, pulled out four quadrants. And for those of you who may have ever been in guides would know that we've always had a girl guide promise and guide law. Uh, and they're fundamental to all aspects of guiding and they provide a foundation of expected behaviours. So it's those behaviours that are also critical to um, our child safe, child friendly framework. And I think, Brad, it goes back to our, where we started this conversation um, with what we already had in place within our organisation. And we've always had a promise and law that guides um, our adult members' behaviour uh, and so that is key to our child safe, child friendly framework. We've also, of course, got a code of conduct and mm -hmm. really critical for organisations uh, that are starting out on this piece of work to consider their code of conduct. Uh, and that sits within our wheel. And of course, then we lead on to how the policies and procedures all fit together. And so that is um, how we've graphically represented our child safe, child friendly framework. Excellent. And if people do want to um, look at that, I'll uh, put a link in the podcast notes to go to the, the website where that's hosted. Um, I was looking at that in sort of preparation for, for having our conversation and, and very impressed with how it's also um, a lot of it is clickable. So you can click different parts within the wheel that are then going to take you to um, a different part of the website, which has more information about how that actually works in, in process, in, in, um, in practice, I mean. Um, Yes, Brad, we've actually made it interactive because we understand that it's all well and good to have policies and procedures sitting at governance levels of organisations. But really, our girls are in communities, as I said, all around Australia are with leaders and we wanted to make this framework and the expectations of those within Girl Guiding to adhere to the framework um, clear to them. We wanted to make it easy for them to access and understand what they needed to do, what their part and their role was in providing a child safe, child friendly organisation. Uh, so hence uh, the aim to make it as easily accessible as possible to our members. Excellent. I think you've achieved that very, very clearly. Well done. Uh, and You've mentioned uh, young people uh, quite a bit as we've gone through, so I think I might know the answer to this one, but, but were young people involved in the development of the framework? Oh, absolutely. Uh, when we first started, um, we did some consultation with um, a group, uh, some groups of guides, uh, representative all across Australia, uh, and they told us... Um, what we actually knew already so that so not surprising uh, they told us that guides is a place um, where they have fun where they meet new friends and they try activities they would never try elsewhere they told us that it was important for them to feel like they belonged which they did and that it was important for them to feel safe so that really um, was gave us an affirmation that the work we were doing was really important. Uh, and so 
that was the beginning of the journey. But guides being uh, what it is, it's quite uh, leaders know their girls. And so we are always doing this um, engagement piece with girls, understanding their views and what they would like to see. And so it's part of the ethos um, of the organisation and it is a constant discussion with girls um, about what they want and how we can work to incorporate their thoughts into all that we do. And then I guess zooming out a bit because you've mentioned that um, federated structure. So then how were the all the, the state entities or state and territory entities, how were they involved in the same sort of process? Uh, we worked with state boards and the leadership of all states and they had the opportunity then to consult uh, within their organisations on the framework. So uh, again, one of the reasons why it took so long was this extended consultation period uh, with key stakeholders. Yes, I do find particularly with federated structures, the timelines can can blow out a little bit because sometimes there are 10, 15, 20 plus CEOs within um, sort of the the broader organisation and and it can be difficult to bring everyone to the... um, Maybe people are happy to come on the the journey, but um, deciding on the same destination, it might not be quite such an easy feat all of the time. Um, And maybe that even leads into the next question that I I had to ask, uh, which is, uh, did you have any unexpected challenges pop up along the way and how were you able to resolve those? Oh, always challenges. Um, But as we say, where there's challenge, there's opportunity. Uh, So we try to embrace the challenges. I think on reflection, um, challenges were about bringing um, everybody on the same journey and making sure that the communication and the end goal was clear. Uh, And so I think that that's worth reflecting on. Of course, um, in our federated structure, and I hate to dwell on it, but the challenges of different state legislative requirements is hard. Uh, There's no harmony across the country with working with children checks. That would not Mm. be news to anyone in this who (laughs) operates in this sphere. And so that is a a challenge. Um, And I suppose one of our challenges was that we decided to have the framework have a broader brush across more of the organisation than just our leaders and managers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we said that we have leaders and managers work with girls, so adult members of Girl Guides, but we also have volunteers come and work with us. And so it, for us it was a conversation about what level of screening uh, will we place on volunteers working within the organisation and that was that took a long time uh, to agree to, uh, because we it was considered, and I think we've made the right move that volunteers, all volunteers who work with us on an ongoing basis, whether they commit to being a member of Girl Guides, or whether they remain a volunteer, an ongoing volunteer, are required to now adhere to our screening processes, and we have introduced. Um, very robust um, screening process across the organisation nationally. 
Uh, and so that requires extra work uh, on behalf of the organisation to make sure that we have that screening in place. Uh, I think it's a really important thing for organisations to be doing when it comes to recruitment is, is it's not just, yeah, like you said, they're paid staff that need to be screened through that recruitment process. And a lot of times now with um, funding arrangements and eligibility criteria, having a proper screening process for volunteers is required as well. So um, I think you will be um, joined by many organisations in the future have putting similar sorts of practice uh, into place. But yeah, that's that's definitely something that pops up as being an issue when I'm talking to clients or potential clients that um, having sort of a, a rigorous screening process for volunteers um, is seen as uh, or can be seen as a, um, a barrier to actually having volunteers within the organisation that they won't go through the process, they don't want to go through that, it's making it too difficult for people who actually want to help to be able to help, um, which I don't think is necessarily untrue but um, probably is, as you've assessed, the, the risk needs to be managed and, and you actually need to go through a process to make sure that this person is suitable to, to provide help, not just accept help because it's, it's being offered kind of thing. Does that make sense? Absolutely, it does, Brad. So I think that that uh, is important to consider and potentially was not necessarily a roadblock, but it was an obstacle that we needed to consider because it was going to have fun at it, well, it will have ongoing mm-hmm. within the organisation, financial implications, mm. uh, and take resources uh, from our state officers as they manage uh, that screening process. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess, yeah, if we um, dwell on that sort of financial side of things for just a little bit as well, um, many states now within the civil liability legislation have um, included in their duty of care the duty to prevent. Um, things like sexual abuse from occurring within the organisation. So um, the financial impact from failing to, to prevent that sort of thing uh, is definitely going to be far more significant than that sort of um, the financial burden there of going through that process, that more rigorous process for volunteers who are included as part of the organisation uh, in that sort of document. Absolutely. So uh, I'd say that we are well on the journey and um, we've set a path in place. Excellent. All right, so that might be enough um, looking back. Uh, let's look forward now. <laughs> so how are you going about embedding the framework into daily practice within uh, the organisation? Okay, great. We have Im- introduced two um, online training modules, um, one that we are going to, that we've rolled out both of them, but one in particular is for all volunteers within Girl Guiding Um, all adult members and all of our employees and everyone will be required to complete that training module. And that's an introduction to the framework and the obligations uh, for all our adults in guiding uh, within the framework. So uh, there's a training module. And um, very, and our state organisations are working on looking at what processes they need to change to ensure that they are adhering to the framework. We only introduced the framework in its uh, in its entirety in October. Uh, we launched on International Day of the Girl. We thought it was a great day to launch on. Uh, and the requirements under the framework will start to, or some of them take effect immediately, uh, but some of our additional screening and recruitment processes will be 
uh, commence from the beginning of January and will transition uh, through. So over a period of, you know, the next couple of years, we're hoping that um, all our adult members um, will have completed their training, will have undergone uh, additional screening, and that all our new volunteers coming in will be screened in the accordance with the new framework. Excellent. And again, yes, you've mentioned there over the next couple of years, and that's, I guess, leading into uh, what I was going to ask as well around what your timeline is for when you expect to be completing the embed phase. It doesn't happen overnight, Brad. Yeah. Mm. So it's absolutely a journey. Yes. And that's definitely one of the reasons why I was so keen to have you on to to talk, um, because um, I I think this is an important message for for people to understand. I think I've been beating the drum a bit through this that, yeah, it's not going to happen overnight uh, and it is definitely going to be a process. And anything that you're doing with cultural change is going to to take time. so keen, yeah, keen to hear from people who are actively doing the work. Agree, but but I uh, I think it's really important to point out though that uh, this is just building on um, mm-hmm. the degree of um, focus that Girl Guides has on safety within the organisation and and the organ and the uh, protection of children and the safeguarding of children. Uh, as I said to you, there's so much that we do and that we've always done that has had a child-safe lens. And so I think it's really important to consider uh, we've we've looked at the basic principles of being a child-safe um, organisation and uh, the screening, we've talked about the screening and the mm-hmm. recruitment processes being robust. But I think uh, we've looked at um, the importance of providing girls a voice. Uh, and building confidence, and that is fa- that is what Girl Guides has always done. We've had a focus on creating and supporting, env- creating environments where girls are supported to build their confidence and to uh, develop their self-esteem, where they have an opportunity to build their leadership skills. Uh, and so, I think that is a really important um, plus for Girl Guides is mm-hmm. that we have always been an organisation focused on providing girls a strength of voice and that's uh, fundamental to being a child-safe organisation. And then as you're going with this embed phase, have you got uh, like success measures um, built in so you're able to do a bit of a review and see how successful you've been in implementing this across the organisation? Uh, absolutely. We have... Um, have got some reporting um, mechanisms set up with our state organisations to provide feedback as to um, how everyone is tracking and implementing um, the the new child safe framework. Excellent. Um, and I guess, um, will that be, uh, that sort of information, will that be included in things like your annual reports and that sort of information? Yes, absolutely. And Girl Guides Australia um, will report under the, um, National Ch- Office of Child Safety as well. So Great. Uh, our reporting will be publicly available. Great. Uh, again, I think transparency is incredibly important in, in this work as well. Um, have you had feedback from parents about the framework and about what's happening? We are still rolling it out to all our different stakeholders. At this point in time, we are um, have focused on rolling out to our leaders and making sure our leaders internally within the organisation, understand obligations, but absolutely um, in the next um, 
towards the end of the year and as we begin 2022. Oh, isn't that a scary thought? As we begin 2022, we'll be sharing it with parents as we start the new year. So obviously with this work that we're doing, um, the the emphasis is going to be on being uh, taking a preventative and proactive approach to keeping children safe. But um, the reality is that we do need to ensure we have um, systems and processes in place to be able to respond if we do identify um, children at risk of harm or, or actually being harmed. So is that um, a, a part of the, the new framework as well? Um, yes, Brad, it is. Uh, and, and this is uh, something new to the framework is that we are requiring all adults in guiding to be aware of girls. Leaders within our organisation are trusted adults often in the lives of girls and so uh, girls may confide in leaders, leaders get to know girls uh, and so we're requiring that all our adults in guiding be aware of girls to hear to listen and to act if they consider anything suspicious or they see anything that is inappropriate. So we are asking all of our adults in guiding to take responsibility for for the care and and watching out uh, for our girls in our organisation. And so we have set up some uh, processes and some supports uh, for our adults in Across Girl Guiding that if they are suspicious or they consider something is not quite right, uh, we're providing supports as to what steps they should take mm-hmm. to provide um, protection to those girls. Yeah, okay, that's really good. And I guess, again, uh, in some states and territories, some of your um, adult members would likely be mandated under law to report, but probably in others they, um, they're not. So it sounds like then you've, you've implemented consistency throughout the country in how they're going to respond. Absolutely. We considered that in those states where leaders were mandated reporters, uh, those girls had um, an additional level of safety over them. And we thought that it was important that girls all across Australia, no matter what state they lived in, uh, could expect the same responsibilities from their guide leaders um, mm-hmm. as as a girl in another state. Um, it's it's all about, um, it's our individual responsibility. Yeah, I agree. And I don't think, um, yeah, this is, I guess, personal opinion, but I don't think state boundaries um, should change how you respond to a situation, particularly when we're talking about keeping a child safe, that if we were in this state, we would have to call child protection, but we're in a different state and we don't have to, so we're not going to, that that doesn't sit well with me. No, agree. And yeah. so that's why we've taken the approach that we've taken. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a national organisation, we might be federated, but let's act nationally and let's act collectively. Mm, I agree, definitely. Okay, we will start to need to move to, um, to close out now. Um, and, and as I end the podcast, I ask every guest the same two questions in order to provide bite-sized information for listeners. So the first of those questions is, if you could share one piece of advice or knowledge for organisations which are only just beginning their child safeguarding journey, what would it be? I would say evaluate what you are already doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll probably find you have you already have some practices uh, that are contributing to safeguarding 
and then take it step by step. And then, even when you reach a roadblock, keep going because our young people really deserve it. Awesome. Absolutely. Yes, it's time to refocus on um, the best interests of the child when you hit those roadblocks, I think. Uh, and then question two, uh, what do you think is important for parents and carers to know about keeping children safe in organisations and institutions? Mm. I'm going to twist your question a little bit, Brad, <laughs> and sure. I'm going to um, bring it back to what's important for parents to know about keeping children safe and girl guiding. Mm -hmm. And I think um, that if I could end our discussion today on this point, that girl guides take child safety seriously. And we are very committed to building a child safe, child friendly community where girls and young people can discover their potential as leaders of their world. And wouldn't that be great if all the girls across Australia uh, were feeling safe, protected and respected and they felt they were a leader within their world. Awesome. That is a nice message to finish on. Uh, Rosemary, if people want to learn more about you or get in contact with uh, Girl Guides Australia, how can they best do that? Um, access our website, girlguidesaustralia.org.au is probably the best way. And there's links there on how to contact us as an organisation. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Thank you. And again, I'll put those details in the podcast notes. Uh, well, thank you very much for being my guest today, Rosemary Derwin, Chief Commissioner at Girl Guides Australia. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, please don't forget to rate it five stars. That definitely helps other people find it. Uh, and if you can leave a review and tell your friends, that helps even more. And it makes a huge difference to, um, to the listenership and people being able to find the podcast. And thank you for joining me on the Child Safeguarding Podcast. I'm Brad Pointing, Principal Consultant for Pointing Consulting and Advisory. Um, and you can connect with me on LinkedIn by searching for Bradley Pointing and follow PCA on Twitter at PointingCNA. Check the podcast notes for spelling of that and we'll see you next time on the Child Safeguarding Podcast.